like God prepared all of this to say something to us for just a moment. I know they're still praying, but I really do sense that something that the word can bring revelation to today could help catapult some of us. Some of you had a hard time worshiping. You're struggling. Uh, some of you are you're going through some things in your life that you never envisioned or dreamed you would ever, ever have to go through. Things have happened in life over the last few years that have changed the landscape. According to all of the latest studies, the number one thing that the last two years have done to life and humanity is that it has increased the amount of stress upon a person a hundredfold. All of the things we've been through, the losses of jobs and finances and uh, certainty and, and having to shut down and be locked down and wearing masks and all of those things that we've had to go through, it's had a tremendous amount of stress that has been added to the church. The second thing that it has done, and this is the most telling, is that it has created a tumult in the world. We've seen it in many different displays, but personally, there's a lot of turmoil. A lot of marriages are going through severe turmoil right now. And what the last two years have done, besides adding an, an, another dimension and level of stress, is that it has revealed some things in our lives that we have had hidden and covered up and things that we learned to work around and we've learned to put over in the corner and, and all of this, the changes that have happened in the last few years have brought this to surface. And now we're wrestling with these things. And I want to give you what I feel like the Spirit of the Lord has, has shown me can be the answer. I want to talk to you for just a few moments, and I will be very brief, about the cure for a sick soul. The cure for a sick soul. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 22. If you could put that up there for us. Matthew chapter 6 verse 22. I want us to read it together. Will you read with me? The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Next verse. But if thine eye be evil, Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. Many years ago, a woman stood looking out her kitchen window and from her vantage point, she could see over into the neighbor's backyard. And she could see 
her neighbor's laundry hanging out on the clothesline to dry. How many of you in here remember clotheslines? All right. All of you young people that don't know what that is, go talk to one of these older people around here. They can explain that to you. As she looked out the window, she noticed in particular the laundry of her neighbor. And though it apparently had been recently washed, it still looked so dingy and discolored. And while she was standing there looking, she wondered why. As the days passed, she would often find herself looking out this same window across the fence at this same line of clothes week after week, and they all seemed to be so discolored and dingy, and she had such pity for this woman. And one day, her husband was in the kitchen, and he commented to her, or she commented to him, and she said, doesn't this lady know how to get her clothes clean? And uh, so she thought, you know what? Maybe I should share with her the secret of what I have learned that can make clothes bright and clean and fresh. But she was thinking that might not be received, and so she thought, I'll just wait for the opportunity, fearful that the lady would perceive her as being nosy, and, and uh, so she held off. But one day she came to stand at that window, and as she looked out, she noticed that the clothes that were hanging out, as they had always been, were very clean and bright today. And she was amazed, and she said to her husband, well, it looks like our neighbor has finally learned or either discovered how to do her laundry to get that laundry clean and bright. I wonder what changed. And the husband quietly said, perhaps it's because I washed your window yesterday. (laughs) What is it in your life right now that's being affected by a blurred vision? What is it in your life that is being affected by an unclear and distorted view of your life. I wonder what we are seeing in life right now that doesn't look right. Perhaps it's how we feel about another person. You know, when I got the Holy Ghost, anybody remember that night, that night, that time you, I felt off the chart. Awesome. And I remember coming back to church. I loved everybody. I thought everybody in the church had the Holy Ghost. I thought everybody in the church was going to heaven. But you know, it's amazing as time went on and I got older, I started noticing certain things about certain people and made me start questioning whether or not they had the Holy Ghost or not. Boy, it's quiet in here right now. 
I wondered whether they'd lost their holiness or not. I wondered whether they ever had believed in the first place. What happened? The same thing that happens in so much of life that we don't take time to give credit to or give attention to and that is that the, the problem most often is not in that other person. It's in my view of that other person. Because a dirty window can affect the quality of your vision. But listen to me. More importantly than your vision, it will affect the quality of your life. And some of us are struggling right now because we're looking through the lens of life and things just don't look right. Brother Hughes just isn't his same old self. Well, I'm not. I'm older. I'm not old, but I'm older. And I'm overweight. Well, you know, I've just noticed recently that they just, they just don't seem to be with it anymore. Did you notice? Did you notice how brother and sister so-and-so, did, did you notice how they looked at each other? Kind of cross-eyed? And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that in a, I wonder what's going on there. Sometimes my vision becomes impaired by what I am looking through, not what I am seeing. I judge falsely, I find faults, I miss opportunities, I overlook the obvious. And this impaired vision can cause us all kinds of trouble. Matthew's gospel is a unique gospel in that Matthew was a tax collector. And unlike Mark and Luke and John, Matthew's writings are very orderly and collected. And if you read Matthew very much, you will find that it seems to be broken up into segments. Some think there are really five books within that one book. And each book it's like a, a ledger of a, a, a CPA or a, 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 an auditor. Each ledger is for another aspect of, of the story. And he, he was a gatherer. And so when he began to write, he has some of the most extensive details of the different stories in the life and ministry of Jesus that you'll find anywhere in the New Testament. He collected the details. He collected, it was his business. It was his gifting. He was enabled to record these things in detail. And so he has one of the longest, if not the longest, uh, well, Luke, I guess, is the same number of chapters. But, uh, uh, well, no, actually, Matthew is. It, it, it's, it's like he, he wanted to make sure that everything was put in proper order. So, with, when you come to Matthew chapter 
uh, 5, you begin what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount goes from 5, 6 to 7. Three chapters that are full of teaching. Now, some people are of the opinion that one day Jesus just sat down on the side of the hill and started teaching. And a week and a half later, he got through. But that's not how that happened. And it's obvious from reading the Mark and Luke and John's record that there, those, those details fit into different areas of the story. But because he's a collector, he brings all of those together and he condenses them in one spot so that, and it really becomes a discipleship program for these newly converted Jews on how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's within the context of that sermon on the mount that we find our passage today. And it's unique in the simple fact that he's talking about uh, giving and financial matters. And then he moves immediately into this issue of the eye. The eye, whether it's single or whether the eye is evil and and how whatever it is affects the soul, how it affects the life of a person. And so this eye becomes the framework of a powerful teaching. And it's strange that he would compare this eye uh, and... He uses the word light. The eye is the light of the body. The word light in the Greek uh, actually means lamp. And so when you use it in that context, it's odd that he would compare the eye to a lamp. A lamp dispenses light. An eye absorbs light. If you put a light in a dark room, it will illuminate the room. If you put an eye in a dark room, the room stays dark. So obviously, there was something behind all of this in his comparison that he was trying to get them to understand. So I want to go back and I want to break down some of those words. Number one is light. The word refers to the lamp, which is an illuminator, and it gives clarity. The second thing is the word I. The word I that is used in this text actually refers not just to the physical uh, part of your body, but it speaks about vision, and in particular, not just the ability to see, but to discern. It's not just looking at something, but it's realizing the context and the content of what is being said. And then he uses the word single, and that's where we get messed up, because when he talks about single and evil, it's like, what, what are you talking about, God? Well, the word single comes from the Greek word haplos, H-A-P-L-O-U-S. And maybe that's not the right way to spell it, but that's my way of pronouncing it. Or that's the way to spell it. It may not be the way to pronounce it. But single 
literally means clear. More precisely, it means healthy. Healthy. When it is single, it is healthy. It is whole. It is fulfilling its office. Then he uses the word evil. Evil. Poneros. P-O-N-E-R-O-S. It means literally to be diseased or sick. Thus hurting one's life. Affecting and influencing in a detrimental way. And the word darkness means Opaque, obscure, ignorance, respecting divine things and purposes. So in essence, he likens the eye to a window. And the eye can either be healthy or the eye can be sick. How does an eye get sick? Now, we talk about our body getting sick, but how does, does our eye get sick? I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But let's, let's, let me go on. The purpose in the text is to show the difference between a healthy life and a sick life, a healthy soul and a sick soul. And the state... Of the window or the state of the eye decides the light that enters into the room. Not only does it decide the light that enters, it determines the quality of that light. And whether or not that light is hindered in penetrating. And fulfilling its purpose in my soul. The amount of light that gets into my soul depends on the state of my window. And if my window is healthy, then I am able to absorb and receive all of the blessings that light was determined to bring to my life. You see, light is one of the first things that you find about God is that He is the God of light. He said, let there be light, and there was. And light is what enables us to function and go about life and fulfill our purposes. And so we are dependent on light every day. We need light. I have a good friend of mine, Brother David Gilbert, that had some uh, some things happen to him over the past year. And he has gone blind. He said, all I can see is a circle around my eyes. But if you, if you were to stand before me, you would just be a blurry shadow. 
And now he's having to be led around by his wife. He can't go anywhere on his own. He can't read anything. He's, he, he can't get a text message from somebody without somebody reading it and interpreting it for him because the lens, the, the window of his body is not working properly. And so he is, his life is impaired. And he told me the other day, he said, I feel like I am a prisoner in my own body. That's what happens when the eye gets sick. And everything that you see in life depends on the condition of that eye. The clarity of light in my life is determined by the condition of my eye. And so the text is simple. How much of the illuminating light of God is actually getting into my soul today. And I'm going to stop here. When we were worshiping earlier, and God's presence was so powerful, I just I don't do this very often. I, that's why I sit up front. I would not be a, a good person to sit back because I'd be too distracted. I have too much ADD going on. I, I, I'd be looking at everybody, paying attention to everybody. But I looked out over the congregation and it startled me at first when I first looked. And I'm not being mean and harsh. Maybe I am being harsh, but I'm not being mean. I saw so many of people just standing here like this. And I'm thinking, God, how can we stand here like this? How can we be seemingly unmoved and we have to get somebody to coach us? Now, when I got up here... So why is it that when I'm on my own, I have a difficult time responding to the light that God is sending into my life? It could have to do with the lens that I'm looking at life through. And I have allowed it to become dirty. And I've let it become a little affected by all of the bitterness of life and the pain that I've been through and the hurts that I've had to suffer and all of the issues that I've wrestled with and, and people have betrayed me and they've walked away from me and they've hurt me and, and the church has disappointed me and the pastor has let me down and, and my friends don't understand me. It has a way of, 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 of affecting and, and life. I I noticed a while back, I got in my truck and I think I may have shared this. I got in my truck. It was one of those super, super bright days. I got in my truck and when I turned into the sunlight, I looked through the, the windshield of my truck and I thought, what in the world? It was like this great Film me. I thought, what happened? I pushed that little button and the sprinklers came on and the wipers came on and nothing changed. I did it again. Nothing changed. You know, some of us keep pushing the same button. It's the wrong button. The problem was not on the outside. The problem was on the inside. 
Finally, I had one of those light bulb moments and I reached up and I just did my hand and I was shocked. I thought, how in the world did the inside of this, because of me just living and breathing and being in there and life, it just happens. Things accumulate. And so ever so often you've got to, that's why I go have my truck cleaned up. I can't do it anymore, but I go have it done and I make sure, make sure you get on the inside. Don't just wipe down the outside because that's very deceiving. When you're looking through that lens, you're going down the highway, you think, man, that's discolored. Man, that's not as pretty as it used to be. Man, church isn't what it used to be. I don't know what it is about these people. They just not, I, I don't know what it is about some of these folks. They just don't seem to love Jesus anymore. I tell you what. What might need to happen this morning somebody might need to get a window wiper out on the inside and say God maybe it's not them that needs to be worked on maybe because the view we take of people depends on the lens through which we look at them Here's what's so amazing to me. I've said this. I wish I didn't know everything I know. As a preacher, I wish I didn't know everything I know. About you, about people, about folks, ministry, other preachers. I've often wondered what it would be like just to come into a meeting where nobody knew you. And nobody... You didn't know anybody there and you could just go in and just have that uninhibited feeling that, man, I'm going to just be able to worship God. But I come into settings that I'm familiar with and all it takes is a glance across the church and I see somebody think, you know, they hurt my feelings the other day. I saw something they posted on Facebook. It just went over me. I, I am so, I'm, I don't know why they're saying those things about me. I don't know why they would think that. And half the stuff we think people have said, they haven't said. I'm not that important. I'm really not on their radar. Hey, I know that's going to deflate some of our egos, but I have news for you. People aren't talking about you as much as you think they're talking about you. But for us, the more we know, the harder it is to come in here in church and just block all that stuff out, just get in here and juke and jive. But Jesus knew more about people than anybody that ever lived. And yet knowing what he knew about them, when he looked at them, he said, I saw them as sheep scattered. And he had compassion on them. He said to a woman that men had drug in naked and she's still naked, laying on the ground. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He said to those that were walking by... Now, I know that's gross, but that's what they did to him. The Bible said they came by and spit upon him. And he's hanging there. 
blood dripping out of his hands, from his side, from his brow. His back is ravaged. He can barely breathe. And he says, looking out at these people that have just done this to him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How could it be that when he looked at life, and he looked at you and I, the way he saw you and I is, the di- is different than the way we see each other. Because his eye was single. His eye was healthy. It was clear. It was unclouded by prejudices or pride or arrogance or self-righteousness. Oh yeah, I'm going to get on that. Some of us holier than thou people that are in this place, you need to come down off of your high horse because you're going to come down one way or the other, but you're not any better off than anybody else that sits in this place today. When I come to Calvary, Calvary is level ground. There's no higher place or lower place. When you stand at the cross, you stand on level ground. I'm going to close. The implication of the text is simply this, that the eye can get sick. So my question is, how does, how does the eye get sick? And what makes the eye sick? And when it does get sick, more importantly, how can it be cured? How does it get sick? There's a myriad of ways. Jealousy. Envy. Strife. Bitterness. Intemperance. Anger. Jealousy. Self-conceit. Pride. All of those things... Factor into clouding the inside, the most important part of that lens. Because the outside, God can take care of. The inside. I said the inside. Now here's what some of you have been waiting on. You've been waiting on the Holy Ghost to do something for you that the Holy Ghost is not going to do for you. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and he got through with Acts 2.38, he said, and save yourselves from this untoward generation. Let me tell you something that the blood cannot save you from. It can save you from alcohol, drugs, immorality, murder, theft. I mean, you name it. But there's one thing it cannot save you from, and that is yourself. That's what you have to do. You have to, now you're not your own savior, but you are the one that has to reach up on that inside and take something. And that's what repentance is. And that's what forgiveness is. And that's what prayer does. And that's what praise does. 
That's why it's so important when we come together that we engage in praise. Because what we're doing is clearing that window. So when the light starts coming, we get all of the benefits of the light. We are blessed and we are enriched because of what God is wanting to do in our lives. So this is, I'm closing. Here's the cure for a sick eye or a sick soul. Are you ready? The word single in the Greek comes from the word haplos, H-A-P-L-O-U-S. The first part of that, H-A-P-L-O, is part of another word. That ends with T-E-S. That root, that's the root. H-A-P-L-O is the root. And the other word that is connected to that word single is the word that we get for generosity. Are you ready? You know how to cure the sickness in your soul? Is to stop being greedy and stingy and start being a giver. Turn your eyes off of yourself and start looking out to the world around you. And saying, I wonder where I could help. I wonder what I could do to be. I wonder who I could touch today to help make their life. Oh, but I feel so bad. I want to tell you how to feel better. I want to tell you how to cure the soul. I want to tell you how to clear that window. Start becoming a generous person. I'm not talking about just your finances. That's such a, that is a, but, but there's so many other ways to give. You give in your care. You give in your attention. You give in your prayers. You give in your worship. And when you are a giver, when you come in and you just start giving to God and you give to God, God said, oh, that's what I've been waiting on. Now I can really send a light of revelation that will do you some good and really change your life. And the interesting thing is that the exact opposite is true. Of the word evil. Porneos or sickly, it carries the connotation of one who carries a grudge, who is stingy and tight fisted. This has been a mystery to me. I've been doing this, we've been married 47 years. I've had license 48 years. I got my license a year before we got married. 48 years. I have sat under some unbelievable ministries. I have been in services where revelation truth was so powerful. I thought, Lord, this church is going to be transformed. Only to come back the next service and people are dealing with the same problem. And I've wondered, God, what, why is that so? And I think I got the understanding yesterday. God said, my light is pure. 
My light is full of every benefit. When you talk about light, you're talking about a spectrum. And I don't have time to go into all the colors of the of light. But every part of light is beneficial to your life. Every part of it is beneficial to your life. All of it has a divine purpose. And all of it has a divine origin and reason. And it's, it has specific purposes for your life. But he, And his light is perfect. His word is perfect. So how does a perfect word get preached? Maybe in an imperfect manner, but his word is anointed. It will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which he sent. So it doesn't matter if he's speaking through a donkey or a frail vessel like me. When the word goes forth, God has the ability to intercept it and put an anointing on it so when it comes to your ears and it comes through your lens it's pure light but how is it that that light coming in does not produce the effect in my life that it ought to because it's affected by the quality of the lens through which it is coming and if it's dirty If it's dingy, if I've let some things accumulate, if I've let hurts accumulate, if I've let disappointments accumulate, if I've let bitterness accumulate, if I've not been willing to forgive, you say, but they haven't asked me. They don't need to ask you. You need to forgive them for your own sake. You need to let it go. You need to open your hands and let it go. This isn't about releasing them of their obligation. This is about freeing you from your sin and from your depression. This is about freeing your own soul. I'm going to tell you how we're going to elevate the level of, of services. That's not by getting more music or you praying longer or shouting longer. It's going to be when we understand the purpose of what we're doing. Prayer and praise and worship and, and, and encouragement. Why we come to church and we fellowship and we interact with other people. Because in doing that, it gives us the opportunity to show care to his body. And God loves his body. I mean, he died for the body. He, everything about the body is important to him. Whether you're a toe or a hand or the brain, it doesn't matter, whatever, whatever part you you play in the body of Christ, you're important to him. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the foot can't say to the eye, I don't need you. Well, I don't know why everybody can't be like me. We don't need to be like me. I don't want a church like you. I want a church like us. Because it's all of us that make us the body. And he, when we fellowship and when we interact, it does something to that lens of my soul so that when I'm looking out, I'm looking at you differently and I see you the way God sees you. I wonder what would happen in this place today. I wonder what kind of shouting and rejoicing. I wonder what kind of miracle of forgiveness would happen in this place if you would just look across the congregation at somebody that may have hurt you or offended you and look at them through the eyes of Jesus. And he had compassion on them. He said, forgive them. He said, welcome home, son. Come on in, get the robe, get the ring, kill the fatted calf. 
I've been waiting on you. Listen to me, backslider. Don't let your own past guilt condemn you that you're not worthy and that you've got to go through some kind of penance program. Hey, the door is open and the table is set. You need to come on in. Amen. You need to act like you belong in the Father's house. Some of us keep going around like we're a servant. You know what? I just don't know. I don't feel like I belong. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You belong. Come on. Open up your eyes and open up your mouth and begin to praise Him for what He's doing. And learn how to be generous because in your generosity, there comes a cleansing. There comes this cleansing of the eye so that when that light shines, oh, it's so transforming. I leave here and I do things differently and I act differently toward people. Stand with me. Oh, yes, it is through what God is able to do through his light that our lives are made better. How do you know when your eye is getting sick? According to Google, it begins with an irritation. You know what an irritation is, don't you? What is an irritation? Y'all said you knew. This is not a trick. What's an irritation? Something that gets on your nerves. That's how we look at it. That's not how the, the clam looks at it. It's an opportunity. There's a pearl in production right now. And they just start excreting that fluid that covers that irritation and covers that irritation and covers that irritation until the, the product that produced is a pearl, one of the rarest of all beauties in the world. Irritations, irritations, probably the number one sign that your eye may be getting sick or has a problem. The second thing is excessive dryness. It's been a long time since some of you good folks have talked in tongues. You say, I don't need to do that. Well, you ought to. You ought to do it often. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Woo, I rubbed some fur the wrong way. I felt it. I felt, you know how it is when you run something across it and that electricity starts, whoo, I felt it come through the audience. I did. I don't know. I'm not going to point where, but I, it's like, whoo. Dryness. I'm not dry. I don't know why he's been so. 
Listen, I'm shutting up. This is why what I'm saying to you is so critical. Because it is the I that affects the entirety of your life. It affects your view of life. It affects your view of people. It affects your view of circumstances. It affects your view of situations that happen in life. And when the eye is healthy, the light that shines is light. It's full of benefit and full of blessing. When that eye is sick, when it is cloudy, when it is distorted, darkness, darkness. There's nothing any more tragic than to have eyes to see and not being able to see. Amen. Would you just take a moment and spiritually just start working on that lens. God, I want to make sure that it's as clean when I look around, I want to see people the way you see people. I want to love people the way you love people. I want to feel toward people the way you feel toward them. I want to act toward them the way you act toward them. I want to talk to them. And I want to talk about them the way you talk to them and about them. Lord, I, I, want, to, I, I want to move toward them the way you move toward people. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what their problems were. It doesn't matter what their sickness was. It doesn't matter what their issues were. You weren't afraid of their issues. You were not afraid to identify with their shortcomings and their failures and their faults. You came close, Lord, and thankful for that. I want to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. And I know we've done a lot of worshiping and you're pretty tired right now. I can tell. And I'm going to let you go. But I'm going to tell you this is a critical moment for Greater Life Church. God is giving this church an opportunity to clear the lens because he, I believe there's going to be light at evening time. But listen to me. The light that is used at evening time is going to be of a quality unlike any other light. I believe that. I believe that in this hour, the light that God's going to shine into our life is going to be empowering It's going to be anointing for us to be able to live in this hour and to showcase his grace and mercy. We're going to need all the light we can get. And we don't need any obscurities. We don't need our mind clouded. We need to look across the aisle. We need to be able to join. We need to be able to fellowship. We need to be able to love. We need to be able to talk about everybody the way Jesus would talk about them. Hey, the only people that I know Jesus talked bad about were hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is, don't you? That's somebody that plays like a saint, but they ain't. We don't have any of those around here. I said we don't have any of those around here. Brother Hughes, you just don't know what I know. Get in there and start cleaning that lens off and you'll change your opinion. 
Praise God. All right, you ought to be able to give a good offering right now. A generous spirit. That's the best way to clean that window. Become a generous soul. Our usher is going to be at the back. This is a different service. You've been waiting for another altar call. I'm not giving one. You've already had an altar call and you've taken advantage of it. Now you need to take the word and start working on that lens. God, I don't know what it is, why I can't see them the way you see them, but I want you to clean. I want you to help me to be able to see people the way you see them and love them the way you love them. You better get out of here. I'm going to keep preaching. Amen. Ushers at the back. Go ahead and do what you do normally. Give your offerings and your tithes as you leave. We thank you for being here today. Remember service. Brother Long's preaching tonight. You don't want to miss what God's going to do in Jesus' name.